Okay, so it's being recorded. Hello, we're back. Okay, the opinions expressed here today are those of my own and do not re represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Uh, the format for this one-hour session is as follows. I will read an excerpt from a piece of OA literature, share for 25 minutes, followed by three-minute shares for those who wish to share. The topic for this session is love for others, and the following is a reading along that topic. And for those of you who are interested or care, this is from the AA 12 and 12 on page 83. Good judgment, a careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence, these are the qualities we shall need when we take step nine. After we make a list of, of the people we have harmed, we have reflected carefully upon each instance, and we have tried to possess our, ourselves the right attitude in which to proceed. We will see that the making of direct amends divides those we would approach into several classes. There would be those who, ought, who we ought to deal with just as soon as we become reasonably confident we can maintain our sobriety. There will be other cases where action ought to be deferred, and still others by which the very nature of the situation we shall never be able to make direct personal contact at all. Most of us begin by making certain kind of direct amends the day we join Overeaters Anonymous. The moment we tell our families that we are, really, that we are ready to try the program, the process has begun. In this area, there are seldom any questions of timing or caution. We want to come in the door shouting the good news. After coming from our first meeting, or perhaps after we have finished reading the book Overeaters Anonymous, I'm sorry, Alcoholics Anonymous, we usually want to sit down with some member of the family and readily admit the damage we have done by our drinking. Almost always, we want to go further and admit other defects that we have made that have made us hard to live with. This will be very this will be a very difficult no different occasion and in sharp contrast with the with those hangover mornings when we alternated between reviling ourselves and blaming the family and everyone else for our troubles at this first setting it is necessary only that we make a general admission of our defects it may be unwise at this stage to rehash certain harrowing ex episodes good judgment will suggest that we ought to take our time while we may be quite willing to reveal the very worst, we must be sure to remember that we cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of others. Much of the same approach will apply to the office or factory. We shall at once think of a few people who know all about our eating and who have been most affected by it. But even in those cases, we may need to use little more discretion than we did with the family. We may not want to say anything for several weeks or longer. First, we wish to be reasonably certain that we are on the OA beam. Then we are ready to tell these people, to tell them what OA is and what we are trying to do. Against this background, we can freely admit the damage we have done and make our apologies. We can pay or promise to pay whatever obligations, financial institutions, or otherwise that we owe. The generous response of most people is such quiet sincerity will often astonish us. Even our severest and most justified critics will frequently, meet with more, will frequently meet us more than halfway on the first trial. This atmosphere of approval and praise is apt to be so exhilarating as to put us off because by creating an insatiable appetite for more of the same. Or, or we may be tipped over in the other direction when, in rare cases, we get a cool and skeptical reception. This will tempt us to argue or to press our point incessantly. 
or maybe it will tempt us to discouragement and pessimism. But if we have prepared ourselves well in advance, such reactions will not deflect us from our steady and even purpose. After taking this preliminary trial at making amends, we may enjoy such a sense of relief that we conclude our task is finished. We will want to rest on our laurels. The temptation to skip the more humiliating and dreaded meetings that still remain may be great. We will often manufacture plausible excuses for dodging those issues entirely. Or we may just procrastinate, telling ourselves the time is not yet, when in reality we have, we have already passed up a fine chance to, make a ser- to right a serious wrong. Let's not talk prudence while practicing evasion. Whew. Wow. That's a lot. So, again, my name is Carl. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I hope... It says I'm supposed to speak for 25 minutes. So, here we go. I found that the steps are written in the order that they're written for a very good reason. Because um, my personal experience is that when I came into program, I wanted, just as it says here, I wanted to shatter from the rooftops. I wanted to go to everybody. I wanted to make my amends. I wanted to make it right. I wanted to show them, look how good I am. I'm telling you how bad I was. And I wasn't ready for that. Until I really worked through getting a higher power, until I really worked through finding out what this program meant to me and how I could apply it in my daily life, I wasn't ready for step nine. So gratefully... I didn't take it. I uh, shied away from my amends. I didn't do as a lot of people do the minute they get in program, excuse me, and start telling everybody uh, what they did and how they did it and and how they were wrong and and making amends. Of course, it helped tremendously that I was single and there was nobody in the house with me. So uh, the only ones that really noticed about, about my food craziness were the roommates that I had had in the past, all of whom I had lost track with. But it was their food that I had stolen and their money that I had stolen for food and their food that I would have to go out in the middle of the night and replace so that when they got up in the morning they could have breakfast, which I would already eaten. So um, a lot of those amends, uh, for me, what happened was the way I get to love others is to really make an amends, which is different than an apology. We're taught in step eight and nine that an amends means that I say I did it, I tell you that I did it, but the only way we make an amends is if we don't do it again. If I say I did it and I'm sorry, that's an apology. But if I say I did it and I won't do it again and I don't do it again and I change my behavior, that's an amends. So for me, um, sometimes I was making apologies and sometimes I was making amends. And I had to know the difference. They didn't know and they could have cared less. But I needed to know the difference between just saying I'm sorry and saying uh, to myself, I did it and I'm not going to do it again. And to me, that has been crucial in in my recovery. I I find that loving people, you know, it says that that the principle is loving others, love for others. And I found that, that the only way I can love others is really if I have a better understanding of myself and if I can love myself. Uh, I can't do something for somebody else until I can do it for myself. And so that became, again, step nine is where step nine is, and it's not step two, and it's, it's not something that they tell us to, to run out and go and do the minute that we get it. 
you know, um, I mean, when I say I live by myself, it doesn't mean I don't have family. You know, I've got parents and brothers and sisters, but it's not living with them. So uh, there was no coming down to breakfast being sober all of a sudden or coming down uh, and not eating all the food. The way our family table, dining table was set up is that behind me was the garbage can. So anything that was left on somebody else's plate, uh, my mother used to joke and say, well, you know, give it to Carl before it gets to the garbage can and won't get to the garbage can. And they thought it was cute. Uh, in retrospect, it probably was. But the truth of the matter was that they were encouraging me to compulsively overeat. They never stopped to say, um, aren't you full? You know, everybody else ate a set amount, and we gave you a little bit extra because I was the tallest and all those reasons that were told it's okay to overeat. Um, I was the boy. I was, you know, whatever. And uh, they never said stop doing that. They never encouraged me to stop. And that was okay because that's who they were and that was the best they could do. Uh, I held many things against my parents when I came here. You know, they should have and they should have and they should have. And the one thing that they should have done, which they did exceptionally well, is love me totally and unconditionally. The one thing I did exceptionally poorly was accept that love because they weren't sending it the way I wanted it. So they were broadcasting on AM. I was receiving on FM, and all we had was static. It was uh, not pretty. Come on in. No, not, nothing to be sorry about. Yes, it is. And so I, I, I had a lot of resentments against them. Because they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't. And uh, when it came time for me to make my amends, one of, the, one of the blanket amends I made to my parents was uh, my lying. Now, I knew something about me that I didn't think that they knew. So uh, I never quite told them. I mean, I think I told them about 12-step program, but I never really went into detail. But I told them, you know, now that I look back at my youth, I mean, I was all of, well... I was 32 at the time. Uh, I said, you know, I need to, I I see that there were things I've done to you that I shouldn't have done and I want to, you know, I want to make apologies and I want to make amends. I said, and you know, one of the things was, the major thing for me at the time was that I was always lying. And they looked at me and they said, yeah, we always knew you were lying. When you were lying. I said, really? How could you tell? I thought I had a twinkle in my eye or a twitch on, you know, my ear or something. They said it was real simple. Your lips were moving. At the time, I got huffy in my mind. I didn't say it. But being in program a little bit longer now, all I say to that is busted. They were right. Everything out of my mouth was a lie. I told so many lies so often that when I was making my amends and when I was going through my eighth and ninth steps, I really had to stop and think. As I wrote something, I said, now, wait a minute. Is that the truth or is that the lie I've told so many times that even now I believe it? And a lot of it took a lot of digging because I can, my nieces and nephews, I tell them to this day, I said, you have to challenge me. If I tell you this desk is brown and you think it's blue, you need to challenge me. And they said, but Uncle Carl, I said, don't Uncle Carl me. I said, you have to understand something. I'm so used to saying things, and I I got this from my dad. I can say things with such authority and such bravada, people think I know what I'm talking about. And I'm full of malarkey sometimes. 
but I make it sound great. So I've encouraged them, which of course is good because that has kind of helped them professionally to challenge authority because I'm the uncle, I'm still the authority figure. Challenge me, ask me, make me prove it, whatever it is. And, and that's also served me because I know that if I do say that this is blue and it's brown, someone's going to challenge me and do I really want to get into it? No. You know, the ninth step is the ninth and the tenth and tenth steps have helped to keep me honest. Why? Because if I tell you something and it's wrong, or I do something and it's wrong, I don't want to have to do a tenth step tomorrow. I just don't want to do a tenth step tonight. And then, okay, fine. I did this, or I didn't do this, or I said this, or I shouldn't have said this, or whatever it is. I don't want to have to clean it up tomorrow or later in the same day. Um, having been around long enough now, when I do do stuff like that. I've gotten much better at say it, and then sometimes the next words out of my mouth, you know, that's not right. I'm sorry. Because you know what? I still get knee-jerk reactions. Someone says something to me, and I'm right on it. I'm just ready to kill them. And then after it comes out of my mouth, and I've taken one breath, it doesn't even have to be a deep breath, just one breath, I go, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't behave that way. Now, the one thing I have learned for me is that when I do stuff like that, I don't look in people's eyes. Because I don't want them to, I don't want to see that they're looking at me like, is he crazy? People I work with, is, is he crazy again? You know, we jokingly say about one of my coworkers at one of my jobs, you know, so and so is acting a certain way today, and someone invariably will say, yeah, he's not on his meds. And, and I don't want people to say that about me. I'd like to be consistent. And that's why I keep coming back. Because after being here for, is it 24 years? Yeah, after being here for 24 years, I still got more to learn. There's still more to do. I don't have any more amends to do. Thank you, God. I got those done. But there's always something new to learn. And, and to get back to, to what we said, you know, what, what, part of the reading was doing the hard what, what do you do the hard ones first or the easy ones first? And when do, you know, when do you make the amends and how do you do it? I was very fortunate. I worked with a sponsor. And uh, when I... When I turned over my fourth step to him. He said, hold on to this. You're going to need it. And I said, well, that's fine with me because I'm a pack rat. If you look at my house, you'll see I'm a pack rat. And uh, I take, see, there I go again. I'm not a pack rat. I was a pack rat. I've done one cleansing and I'm in the process of doing another one and I'm enjoying it. So I can no longer call myself a pack rat. But he said, hold on to this because you're going to need it and want it. Because I really spent a long time writing my fourth step and really digging into what had gone on. So when it came time for my eighth and ninth steps and to really look at what I owed to who and how I could do it, I really had quite a long list, and, I categor- and I'm also a little anal, so I categorized them. And I didn't go into color coding, but I did, you know, different times of my life. And I, I worked those out, and I really went to the easiest ones first because I know who I am, and I'm still – that way, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I went to work, yes, it was yesterday, Friday, I had a list of 23 things to do. Some of them were extremely hard, and I didn't want to do them. Not that they're hard to do, they're hard for me. I didn't want to do them. And some of them were extremely easy, and the others fell in between. And when I look at this list, I go, okay, how am I going to start my day? Traditional knowledge tells us you do the hardest thing first. Guess what? I'm not traditional, I'm very untraditional. I said, you know what? I'm like one of those old pumps, the old water pumps, you know, that used to bring up water from the well and you'd pump it. Well, as most people 
know, or if you remember, you had to prime the pump. You had to put a little water in to start the pump to get it going. For me, I have to do one or two easy tasks. So I have to take one or two from the easiest, and then once I'm in the, the work mode, once I'm, in, I'm working and I'm doing things, I can do the hardest thing on the list. No problem. Piece of cake. And so I, had, I did the same thing with my amends. I started with the easiest one. I was very blessed to have a friend who I'd stolen a book from. But he's in program. But I'm on the West Coast. He's on the East Coast. I joined program in California. He did program in New York. But we knew we, the other one was in program. And I called him one day, which was not unusual for me to call him. And we're talking. I said, okay, I got to cut to the chase. He said, okay, what's the chase? I said, I have an amends to make to you. He goes, what are you talking about? We're best friends. We do everything together. I mean, you know, we were very good. I said, you remember when I house sat for you? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, you had some books there, and there was one I really liked, and I, and I have it. I stole it. I didn't ask you. I just took it. He said, okay. I said, no, I really want to make amends. I'm going to send it back to you. He says, Carl, it's been four years. Didn't even notice it's gone. Keep it. And I said, but I want to send it back. He said, you're done. I said, done is a four-letter word. When I was growing up, we weren't allowed to use four-letter words. Of course, they meant the F word and the hell word. But I said, he says, you're done. Move on. I said, that was easy. He says, you're done. Move on. That was priming my pump. And then I could do the next one and the next one. Some of my really hard ones were really hard. Some of them I've had to come in through the back door. <laughs> you know, especially family. Still don't get along with those people, you know. Sometimes I think I'm adopted, but I'm not. And the good news about the program is as I've made the amends, I've learned to be able to love them just the way they are. 449 in the third edition of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous tells me that acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. In the fourth edition, it's on page 417, I believe. And it's a wonderful paragraph because I accept myself and I accept the situations. This is the way it is. Um, I have family members that, as I, when I tell people about my family members, people roll their eyes and I said, you know what? They're perfect. They are perfect just the way they are. And I love them just the way they are. Do I like them? Not a whole heck of a lot, but I sure do love them. And I accept them. I had a tragedy last weekend in my family, and a cousin of mine passed away suddenly. It's on many levels it's hurtful. He's only four months older than I am. He had a lot of things going for him. And he's also my best friend. And I'd spent the weekend before with him, just palling around, having a wonderful time. And I called my brother. His family called me. I called my brother because it's his cousin, too, and told him. He says, yeah, yeah, I know how close you were. And you were almost as close with him as you were with me. And I just let it slide because I've learned in program, I'm not going to fight with people anymore. I'm done fighting. I'm done with the debating society. Let him have his say. Went from here to New Jersey, did the funeral, came back on Monday. On Tuesday, my, my brother called me. Now, just the fact that my brother even picked up the phone I'm surprised my brother knows how to dial my number. I think I'm sure he had to go look it up because I always call him. He's the eldest. He thinks he's the prodigal son. God bless him. He's not. My opinion, his opinion, maybe he is. Well, he called me, and I said, okay, and we're having a wonderful chat. He says, 
and you were closer to him than you are to me, weren't you? I go, yes. And I could say yes to both those statements. I could let him be who he is. I could love him because he's living his life out of his vision. I'm living my life out of my vision. And by not having fought with him last Friday, I don't have an amends to make. I don't have to go in and clean it up. I don't have to go say, well, I really meant to say, and, or you said, or you should have said. You know what? God bless him. I have people that I work with all the time. Drive me crazy. I support four people. One of them, I, you know, I call one of my co- colleagues and say, she needs a chill pill. He goes, okay, we'll send it to her. And that just means they'll send good vibes to her, you know. And uh, I've just learned that if I just treat people with dignity and respect, I get that in return. But if I treat people with causality and cautious and, and yelling at them and screaming at them and bitching and moaning at them, guess what I get back? The same thing. My experience has been what I put out to the universe is what I get in return from the universe. And so if I want to be loved and cared for and nurtured, I need to put out loving and caring and nurturing. I've learned that when I, when I make my amends, I have to be sincere. And I really have to mean that I'm not going to do that behavior again. I really have to believe that that which I've done, I'm not going to do anymore. And, and no matter how much it costs, I've made my financial amends. And some of them have been quite costly. You know, I stole. I stole. I cheated. I lied. Um, it's interesting when, when, when people come to me and they want me to sponsor them. And they, got to, they said, I want to be just like you. I said, no, you don't. Please. Don't be like me. Be like who I am today, not who I was. Because for 40 years, I was one person. And for the last 24 years, I've been somebody else. And for people that don't see it, God bless them. There's only one person that really has to see it. And that's the person I see in the mirror every morning. As long as I can see the difference. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, I don't see it. But you know who sees it? All of you guys. I'll see people that come up to me and tell me how I used to be. And I go, I used to say that. I used to do that. I used to be that way. And they go, yeah. I go, thank you, God. I can walk around all day saying, thank you, God, for anything. Thank you, God, that I got here today. I had to work late last night. I had to get up early this morning. I drove here. How I'm doing this on four hours of sleep is a major miracle. Because I don't get four hours of sleep any time in function. But you know what? God had a plan for me. And my higher power said, you'll be okay. And he put people in my life. So a week ago, someone needed a ride. So I had someone in the car with me. Wow, it's a two-hour drive here. We got to talk program for an hour and a half. I had a meeting before I got to the meeting. That's my higher power in my life. Because I firmly believe that if I didn't have a higher power in my life, I wouldn't have a life. So I may be getting a little bit off topic about loving others, but that's the way I get the love from others, is by giving the love to others. And that's the way I can honestly look someone in the eye and talk to them and be present and listen and care because I want someone to be listened and to be present and to care about what I have to say. I want to see if there's anything else in here that jumps out, except they, you know, as far as when to make amends, for me, when I first, when I started working my ninth step, I had my list and I categorized them by geography and 
when I went to various family functions in New Jersey or in Florida or wherever I was, I did the best I could to say it in a way that was comfortable for me. And probably if people in program were listening, they'd say, well, that wasn't an amends. i go, that's right. In your book, that wasn't an amends. In my book, that was an amends. And if that wasn't enough, my higher power will make sure that I figure out that and I'll get to do it again. But today, I am loved by family members. I have a sister. I'm gay, and I have a sister who's lesbian. And we have gone for years not talking to each other. Fortunately, at this point in our lives, we are talking to each other. And as by and we've always not talked because she's turned off, not never me. She's always turned me off. And we're talking now. She says, I don't believe that you've become like my best friend. Growing up, we hated each other. Okay? I didn't like her from the day she came home. And this was not her doing. This was my doing. See, I'm willing to admit my, my part of it. And I've told her. I said, most of the problems we have, they were my doing, not yours. You didn't do anything. You just showed up. I'm the one that had the problem. And in my mind, I go, and I've worked through it. And I can be a loving child of God today. I can be open to the possibilities. She's going through a very hard breakup with her partner. And I'm the one who calls her and says, how's it going? I'm the one that calls her and says, what's the latest from the lawyers? I don't have to wait for her to call me because when you think about it, it's really none of my business unless I ask. So I can be there for others. So have I made my amends to her for what she says, some of the things I did to her in childhood? Not directly. But I have made myself available to her. I do call. I do write. I'm there for her now. I support her in any way that I can. That's the best I can do. I think to go back to our childhood and bring up the time I tried to drown her according to her or the time I did this or the time I did that, I don't know that it would serve us in our, in our lives today. And now that I said it and it's on tape, I guess I'll have to run it past my sponsor <laughs> and say, hmm, what do I do with this one? This came up in a meeting. He'll go, okay, let's talk about it. And I've been very blessed. I've had the same sponsor for over 20 years. It's the longest intimate relationship I've ever had in my life, including my family. I shouldn't say that. I was probably close with my mom. And that's the other thing. Uh, I've learned to clean up the messes. When, uh, when my mother was dying, every couple of months my brother would say, if you want to see mom alive, you better come. If you want to see mom alive, you better come. I said, you know what? I don't have to come running because I've, I've done my work. Mom knows I love her. I'm scheduled to be there on a certain time. Mom knows I love her. Mom knows we'd cleaned it all up. It took 20 years, but we cleaned it up. And to me, that's what's important. So I may not be able to do everything right away the way I want to do it. I would love to clean everything up. You know, I'd love to have a magic slate and write everything down on it and go, and it's gone, and it's over, and it's done, and my amends are done. It's not meant to be easy. It's meant to be thorough. It's meant to be exhaustive. And it's, it's meant to be a process by which we can heal ourselves. Because to me, part of my amends is the healing of myself. Because I feel broken. Now that I've listed these things in my fourth step, now that I've looked at them in my eighth step, it's like, holy Hannah. And I start to feel less than, and I start to feel not good enough. But yet, as I work on my ninth step, and as I go to make my amends, and as I call, you know, I'm 64 years old, I'm working since I'm 14. Did a lot of stealing in those years before I came to work. A lot of businesses I owe money to. A lot of companies I owe money to. And bit by bit I do it. I take those baby steps. 
there was one that uh, when I shared it with my sponsor, I said, you know, if I go and I'm real honest about this one, I could land in jail. What do we do about this? And he said those three hardest words in the English language. I don't know. But then there are some other words. Let me check with my sponsor. Who checked with his sponsor? Who checked with her sponsor? And we came up with a solution. But I didn't do it alone. I try to think of my life as a 750-pound box that needs to be moved. I can't move it myself. Just can't. Not even going to try. But if I get enough friends to help me, I can move it any place I want it to be. And so I call my friends. I call the people in OA. I call my sponsor. I call my sponsees. My sponsees know almost about as much about me as my sponsor does. No secrets. They need to know who they're dealing with. And I lay it all out there. I I have no more secrets because I used to have everything was a secret. It was a secret, a lie, a cheat. And I'm tired. I just got tired of making amends. After I did the initial ones and it cost me enough money financially, and I just said, you know, never again. I don't want to do this ever again. I want to be present. I want to be awake. I want to be alert. We were driving here this morning, and all of a sudden I said, whoa, i got to slow down. And the person who was with me said, oh, did you see a cop? I said, no. I saw this, the speed sign. It said 70 miles. I'm doing 82. I said, my agreement with my higher power is nine miles over the posted limit. I don't go more than nine miles over the posted limit. My higher power makes sure I don't get into an accident, I don't cause an accident, and I don't get a ticket. I've driven from here to Las Vegas that way many times. I've driven down here today doing that. But as soon as I, I mean, and I look, I look for the speed sign because they do change. That's called, for me, that's called integrity, that's called honesty, that's called following the rules. And coincidentally, we have checked with CHP, and they've kind of said, yeah, nine miles, they ain't going to stop you. But 10, I'm not going to push it. I ain't going to push that, that they're going to nail me a 10. So um, that's, that's just the way I work my program. Uh, I found that by loving others, I'm loving myself more and more. And it's easier to love others as I love myself more. And uh, I thank you for letting me share. Okay. We will now have three-minute pitches, three-minute shares. We ask those of you who wish to share to line up on my left. We don't have to line up on my left. I think we're comfortable enough in our chairs. Please focus on the topic of our meeting and end your share in three minutes to allow time for all of those who wish to share. Who would like to share? I should warn you, I call on people. Yes, the, the topic for this was love for others. It was the principle in step nine.